Today I want to talk to us about a heavenly gaze that will guide our earthly journey. A heavenly gaze that will guide our earthly journey. The word gaze means to look steadily, especially with admiration. It means to fix our eyes in a steady, intent look as like a studious attention. Yes. When in doubt, look again. Thomas needed to look and discover. And what did he look at? The nail-scarred hands and the pierced side. So, you know, whenever you're in doubt, look again at the nail-scarred hands and the wounded side. The Heavenly Father has placed in, in every one of us an upward reach or look. He's placed that in his children. The, the gaze that's upward. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Set your gaze on things above. On he who is above on him who is in control. It was such a powerful word in such a short sermonette. Many are in power, but only one is in control. We have earthly distractions but we also have a heavenly invitation. Life can be spent without a keen awareness, and it even can fall so that we're losing the appreciation of our heavenly citizenship, of who we are in Christ. The appetites, the attractions, that are around us in this present world, they have a powerful way of blurring and having a major effect on the vision of spiritual realities. In fact, as I think that what I've noticed is that since COVID and everything that, and as transpired in between has had a, an amazing effect on people's heavenly gaze.
Those things of the world have a way of getting us down. Fills us with distractions, temptations, and also entertainment. You can look at the state of the world, and you can become overwhelmed, and you don't have to even look at the state of the world. You probably could look sometimes just at your own household and become overwhelmed. What's going on? You recognize the corruption and, 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 and there's confusion that sets in and, and it transfers to being sometimes a burden. And it might not be the right kind of burden. There is such a thing as the burden of the Lord. And then there is such kind of thing as a, as a burden that is heavy that you're not to carry. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That has a, a two-element uh, form. That what you're connected to. That might be what be your lot in life. My yoke is easy. And what's going on is that of the Lord is not too heavy. It's not too heavily, too heavy. But we can overly focus on these earthly things that causes our eyes to slip from the above things. They cause us to forget the blessings that we've already received, the blessings and the promises that are lay before us. Fade from us that we're sons and daughters of God and all of a sudden that satisfaction that is to be ours in Christ Jesus slips away. But you know, God invites us. He invites us on a journey. A journey that would take us not just through the land of His promises and provision, but to participate in them. To discover what are the inheritances in Christ that belong to us. It's more than just getting saved. As great as that is. But God has an amazing inheritance. And we're going to look at some of those things. And so in order to do that, how do we improve our heavenly gaze? How do we go ahead and, you know, uh, 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 look steadfastly? How do we get the right picture that's formulated in our minds when all these projectors of life and in the natural 
They're real. They're real. Improving our heavenly gaze. When the writer of Hebrews gets through with Hebrews 11 and moves into that, what we form as chapter 12, but it probably wasn't a chapter in the original, he gives us a real key. You've got to lay some things aside. And then you've got to look in the right direction. And you've got to have the right anticipation. Who for the joy that was set before him endured. It was an anticipation. So there is that element which we must do, and that is we must put to death that which is earthly. Simply meaning we are not to hang on to or linger in our old habits, the old habits of fear, sin, and discouragement. Don't linger there. He says, lay down those things that, that hinder us. And, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, you need to step into that new life that's in, in Christ. See, there is that we're tied to this old man. And that old man has a tendency to look at the things of the world but the new man, its bent is to look at the things that are above the precepts and the promises and the spiritual power that comes to us through Jesus Christ. When Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, he says, I got to deal with a lot of natural things. I have to deal with a lot of physical things. I have to deal with a lot of world things. I have to deal with a lot of people things. I have to deal with a lot of power things. But, he says, I can do it through the power of Christ which strengthens me. Ephesians 4.22, he says, we need to put them off concerning the former conduct. That is the old man. It's the only time you get to use the word old man. And he says that that grows corrupt according to the deceitfulness of its desires. It, you know what I mean? The onset of it might not look the way it's going to be. It may have an appeal. At least that's what God said about Moses. There's really a lot of appeal. But it grows corrupt. 
Paul presents the same thing in Colossians chapter 5, 3 rather. Put to death your members which are on earth. Then he gives a list of a few of them. And then in verse 8 he says, but put on, put off these things also, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language that come out of our mouth. So he engages our speech to improve our heavenly gaze. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the first step or one of the first steps of setting our minds on the things above is to, is to get rid of that old self. Its habits, its fears, the way it thinks. Get rid of it. Put it away. Because he says those things impede your heavenly gaze. They impede your growing relationship. They, they, they keep your eyes on lowly things. Because God's got a promise for it. To raise you up above those lowly things. He says you, you can't achieve a heavenly mindset if you continually persist in earthly actions. Now I don't think that driving a car falls in the category of earthly actions. I don't think going to work falls in the category of earthly actions. Just those things that violate the new life in Christ. So he says you gotta, you've got to rid yourself of some things in order to put on. And so now we're getting rid of those things that drop our gaze... And then we're going to put on some things that lift our gaze. In Colossians chapter 3 and 12, he says, As the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering. All of those will make you feel much better. All of those will lift your attention to he who is those things. Yeah. Put on the new man, which is created in Christ Jesus, which is true righteousness and in, in holiness. That which is born out of relationship. Did you know that? Of course you knew this. The Apostle Paul, before he was Apostle Paul, which was Saul, 
He said that as pertaining to the law, he was guiltless. And yet he had to meet Jesus. So we put on that new, that new self as we, we tap into the scriptures and we, we tap into the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And you will not have a lowly gaze. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we read what, the, what that old man is like. That brings our gaze down. Set, lift up. And as I began, the nail-scarred hands in the pierced side changed Thomas's gaze, his outlook, how he felt. Not only his moment, but his anticipation. Yes. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. As you put it on the new man, also, you must also yield or give place to the peace of Christ to let it rule in your heart. Colossians 3 says, let the peace of God rule. He's saying that your outside world can be in confusion, but your inside world can be in peace. Draw on a distinction. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I don't fall prey to the discouragements. I have to fight it, though. You gotta fight. It's called the fight the good fight of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Ephesians, put on the whole armor of God that you might stand against all the, the trickery and cunning craftiness. And Paul says, We're not ignorant of his devices. Don't give place to him. when our gaze becomes too low. This is not a ostrich, you know, in the sand type thing. But when we're, when those projectors of the world are, are predominant, it steals our peace. Our peace is stolen from us. I have to stay wrapped in that 
the truth of God's word in, in, in our, the unshifting identification of who we are in Christ. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through, the songwriter said. In fact, as Jesus said to his disciples in the discouraged moment in John 14, sometimes you have to look beyond to get excited about the present. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going to come for you. Join the psalmist in Chapter 91, verse 2, I said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Notice Isaiah 26 says that our heavenly gaze has a whole lot to do with our peace. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. Yeah. That heavenly gaze. Lift up your eyes. Song said, catch hold of a new vision. Then he goes on to say in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, that, that we lift our gaze by letting the word of Christ have a powerful effect upon us. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching. And he puts together a whole scenario of, of how it, it lifts our gaze if We'll sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing grace to the Lord. We can't let our hallelujah be stolen from us. Got to consume the word. Thy word have I hidden my heart. Do you know how long it takes to get things in there? How long did it take you to learn the alphabet? How long did it take you to learn how to Count, you know, figure it out to get to 100. You know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. But how do you get from there? And once you discover, it's pretty simple. <laughs> Cherish God's word. It's so important 
Both the Old Testament and New Testament record this passage of Scripture that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. You know, all of this is good. Sometimes we might not really know how, to, how it pertains, you know, how to interpret it, you know, uh, 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 you know, we might not all know all the details that surround it, but Paul Roger Timothy said it's all profitable. Fact is, did you know that Revelation starts out and says that if you just read the book, I, he says, I don't care if you, you, you get it at all, just read it. He said there's a blessing in it. Just reading it. I don't think God is expecting a person to, you know, you know, be like Timothy, who was a, who was a, a pastor. You know what I mean? Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You know what I mean? Rightly in the divide of the word of truth. I don't think that that you know He's requiring that generalities of of the word. But we still, he, you need a diet of the word. God. It might be only one. It might be only one verse for the day. Another thing that lifts our gaze to the Lord is to give thanks. Give thanks. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that miserable day that you that's going on. That day that just does not turn out right. Everything that could happen did happen. You were doing your best. You had the right motive, the right cause, right everything, and it just blows up in your face. When we lose our heavenly, the voice of thanks, excuse me, we lose our heavenly gaze. Amen? Think about it. It's just true. It's, it's, you know, the, the fact is the Bible says that, that this is so simple that a fool or a warefaring man doesn't need to err in it. You don't have to be a theologian. To walk in the victory of Jesus Christ. No. Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that neither death nor life.
I know whom I have believed. So we're on a, we're traveling on an earthy soil and a, in a heavenly journey. We're traveling earthly soil in our heavenly journey. Here's what God has promised in this road on earth in our heavenly journey. God promises His right hand. On your behalf. Isaiah said this in 40 and 10. The Lord God will come with a strong hand. His arm will rule for him. Behold his reward is with him. And his work is before him. He follows up in chapter 41 and says. All these awesome reasons to be encouraged. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, what does the right hand stand for? Number one, it stands for the hand of blessing. You remember the story of the patriarchs when they bring their family before them. Particularly the story that we see of Jacob. When Joseph's sons are brought before him and, you know, Joseph goes ahead and, and you know, tries to put it in the human order. And Jacob's hands goes like this the right hand on the one that's going to be blessed the most. And so when God says that it's, He's going to come with His righteous right hand, He's saying that you are going to have right hand blessings. Where is Jesus sitting? In the right hand of the Father. And we are heirs with God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with the left hand. But the right hand conveys to us a major message so we can get our gaze lifted up higher and higher. And that is the hand of blessing. Number two, it's the hand of strength. Exodus chapter 15, 6, as God is speaking to Moses, he said, your right hand is glorious in power.
you also have the right hand of God's sovereignty. In Revelations, you discover this, particularly in chapter 5. There was only one that was found worthy to open the seals of the book. Oh, yes. To not only release the judgments that God had planned for the earth and those that were disobedient, but also to release the blessing that God had planned for those that believe. Thou art worthy. It appears that there was some alarm running through heaven at this particular time and occasion. Read it. Think about it. I haven't found anybody that can open the book. Nobody. Nobody was found worthy. Until a messenger steps up and says, there's one who's found worthy to loose the seals of this. The one that was found worthy to release the, the blessing of Abraham upon all the nations and of every tribe and tongue and every people. Hmm. The right hand of God is used in reference to this 166 times in the Bible, and so God is trying to convey to us. You know what I mean? that there's the full force of God behind it. Full force of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Not one jot or one tittle. In other words, not one grammatical thing will, will be uh, eliminated until all is fulfilled. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God's behind your faith this morning. He not only promises his right hand, but he promises his presence. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm a present help in the time of need. The Lord of hosts is with us. Wherever life leads... You're never alone. Now, I'm not saying you should just run off just because God's going to be with you. But you know, Abraham did. He ran off. And God comes and says, you know, I said, wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. So, uh, you know, stop running, maybe. <laughs> Rather than an, a, a, an encouragement to just, well, do your own thing. You know what I mean? I'm not going to leave you. No. You might as well stop running. 
but the promise is that he, he will, he, his presence will all be with us. But not only will his presence always be with us, that he will always be with us in person. Think about it. He says there will always be that personal relationship because he says, Be not dismayed, for I am your God. He is not only the one that we worship, but he is the one who reigns over us all. He's God. Musicians come. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. He not only promises his presence, his person, but he promises his power. He says, I will strengthen you. Power for every step of our journey. Psalms 37 and 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Woo! And he delights in his ways because he recognizes those ordered steps. He supports us, gives us what we need, the exact proportion of what is required. Deuteronomy 33 and 25, as your day is, so shall your strength be. There are times that we may be staggered. But no matter the day, there is always the divine. Let me wrap this up this morning. There are six guarantees of God for your future. You've probably written a number of them or all of them already. But here's what it says. Number one, I will guide you when you're confused. He shall direct your paths. He will help you when you're tempted or tested. He will not allow any temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are, he will show you the way out of it. It says that he will support you in trouble. Trouble is different for everybody. How you would define that word trouble. But the scripture shows us some trouble. He said, sometimes they're deep waters. Sometimes there's rivers of difficulty. Sometimes there's fires of oppression. But this is, I'll guarantee you, you will be successful through every one of them. He says, I'll walk with you. You're not going to drown. 
you're not going to burn up. Why? Because God is with you. Aren't you glad that He's not only a God that saves, He's a God that rescues? He not only rescues from the natural things, He rescues us, you know, with regarding our faith. He'll repay those who hurt you. Legitimate hurts. Never avenge yourself. Leave that to God, for he said that he will repay those who deserve it. He makes the decision on it. He says, I'll reward your services and your generosity. And I will keep you safe until heaven. Amen? As you stand with me this morning. I believe that we need an inspiration to gaze upward. Sometimes we need to look inward. Examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Are you in the faith? Is Bible faith really, you know what I mean? Are you lining up with Bible faith? Are you fortifying enough? outward and press forward. And I just want to draw on our elders' words this morning and closing this morning. Yes, there are a lot of powers. There are a lot of powers that be. He said there are things that are ordained and there's things that are allowed. But there's only one that's in control. And he's your Lord. He's your master. He's your savior. He's your friend. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he's not going anywhere. But he's going to see you through. Because he has an investment in you. When he says, what are the inheritance of the riches of Christ? What kind of investment? What is Jesus has an inheritance in you. And he has an inheritance that he wants to give you. Hallelujah. There will be seasons. There will be darkness. But there's a star that'll always rise and shine. And it'll lead you back. Hallelujah. To the nail-scarred hands.
and the sword pierced side. Telling us that not only what he has done, but that he's alive. And he has been found worthy to command the blessing of Almighty God. Father, as we leave this house this morning, we go into our week's work. What we'll face, we don't really know. Maybe even this morning, Lord, that last week is still rumbling over into this week. But we ask you, Holy Spirit, today to step through the walls of our heart like you did in that upper room. The doors were closed. And you stepped in. Stepped through those walls that have shut us in. Or maybe we have just shut ourselves in. We're afraid of what's out there. Step through. Show us again. Your nail-scarred hands. In Jesus' name. God bless you today. Hallelujah. Gaze upon Jesus.